America's webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hey, good morning, everybody. This is Brent Macy, Managing Director of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, and welcome to this edition of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. And joining me in studio is CEO and founder of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, Doug Field. Good morning, Doug. Good morning, Brent. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Looking forward to a big football weekend. Yeah, you're all excited. I'm all excited. We got Georgia Tech playing Florida State, and my Buckeyes playing Wisconsin. Yes, yeah, so that'll be that'll be interesting. But the sad part is coming to an end. Yeah, that's so, right. You know, moves moves fast, and uh, you know now now let's focus on what the world of healthcare yeah, consumerism. There you go. Right? There you go. Come come back to reality. Now, so we got a pretty good program today, don't we, Brent? We do. We got a great program today, and uh, you know, as always, we'll start with the news. And views, but uh, just want to introduce to everybody the guests that are going to be coming on the program today. Joining us in the um, next segment is going to be Jim O'Connor. Jim is the uh, president of CBiz Employee Benefits, and Jim's going to talk to us about employee benefits for 2015 and beyond. And we're going to zero in, uh, looks like, on the wellness, on wellness yep. uh, side of things and, and really talk about wellness and it, and compliance around wellness and some other issues um, around wellness. And Jim, Jim is going to uh, kind of lead that discussion with us. And then following Jim is a... Uh, affiliate member here of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, and it's going to be Clint Jones. Clint is the CEO of Go Health, and for anyone who was at IHC Forum West with us, you would have seen Clint up on uh, the private exchange general session. Uh, Go Health is one of the leaders in the private exchange space, and he's really going to talk to us, one, about the growth that they're seeing, and really give us a feel for what uh, what next year looks like? Yeah, they really do a lot a lot of good work, uh, both individual and now evolving into group marketplaces. Yep. And then uh, on the final segment is going to be Marcy Marcy Schmate, and she is with she's the president of Spendwell Health, and Marcy's really going to talk to us about uh, we the consumers of healthcare, and you know what we need to be focused on when we're purchasing healthcare out there in the space. Obviously a a big, big piece of healthcare consumerism, um, you know, with all the moving pieces that we talk about, getting down to buying healthcare yeah, is, I mean, they, is you know, essential. They're, they're launching a uh, and have launched a retail marketplace. So, you and I sitting with high deductible plans, Brent. If we're looking to go get an MRI, we can go on to Spendwell and and determine, you know, where the most cost effective and quality MRI mm-hmm. is that we can go find. And uh, just just a little background on on Spendwell. Um, they are part of the uh, Cambia Health Solutions group that is up in the northwest. And uh, Cambia Health Solutions is, has got multiple different business units that, uh, you know, fall underneath their umbrella and very consumer consumerism-centric, right, Doug? Yeah, consumer-directed health solutions. I mean, they're, uh, you know, and they're part of Regents, uh, the big health plan up there in the northwest. And they're a very interesting and creative company. I mean, they get the consumerism space, and they are not only – not only are launching – uh, and acquiring fully owned subsidiaries, but they're investing. In fact, this week they participated in the announced round with Maxwell Health, you know, one of the leaders in the whole emerging, you know, health and benefit marketplace and what they're doing with an app. But Cambia, you know, was part of that uh, $26 million Series B investment along with, uh, 
you know, some of the leads, Adam Street Partners, which is, again, one of the biggest private equity firm investing in this healthcare space, uh, Schooner Capital, as well as some of the uh, original investors. And Maxwell, again, is an example of a company really doing some very innovative things to, you know, to serve this marketplace. Yeah, and we, uh, for anyone who was out at IHC Forum West in uh, Las Vegas, um, Maxwell spoke out there. And, you know, I think early on when, when you and I were having some conversations with the Maxwell Health team and, and talking with their leadership, you know, the way they came at the marketplace was unique as well and, and how they developed their product with first the con- consumer in mind. Yeah, everyone, you know, everyone has come into this market a little different ways, which is really the cool part about where innovation is. But, you know, Vera and his team uh, and his partners looked at it right from the consumer's eye- eyeball. Mm-hmm. And they've developed now a, you know, health as a service platform that really uh, helps empower people to take charge of their health and benefits. Yep. And, and uh, a very, very uh, unique app uh, that they have that uh, that really uh, powers all of this. The, uh, as we, you know, Doug, one of the things that I wanted to touch on here in the news and views, you know, we're, we're coming to the end of the year. You know, the year's closing out and, you know, looking forward to, to 2015 and, you know, from your seat, you know, the healthcare consumerism space has come a long way since mm-hmm. 2006 when you had the vision to launch the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. And, you know, when you look kind of into 2015, what are some things, you know, around a specific segment of this market, say health savings accounts? Where do, what do you anticipate there with the HSA uh, growth in the marketplace? Well, just if I can step back even from the HSAs, Brent, it just, uh, you know, we you know we have come a long way, but I think, you know, Clint Jones kind of set up pretty well in the general session, and this this was pertaining to the exchange space, but I think it pertains to healthcare consumerism. While some companies are down into their generations, we're really at the beginning. You know, even though we've been at a while, we're really at the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not the beginning of the end. It it it's the beginning, and uh, you know, we've got so much positive what i look at is positive disruption taking place you know take what you just asked me health savings account and john young and todd john young you know ceo of of consumer driven and a friend of ours todd berkeley you know uh president of hsa consulting two of the leaders in really this space uh you know when we look at where health savings accounts are now it's still a small drop in the bucket but when we look at where the projections are based upon the the evolving full replacement programs that are out there based upon the disruption taking place in in private exchanges and where you know HSAs are finding a nice home with high deductible plans you know we're going to see HSAs quadruple over the next 3 years you know and uh, and that's pretty exciting stuff and then you see you know like our guest today from you know CBiz a you know quality leading national employee benefit advisory firm really doing some creative things serving their clients around workplace wellness and and other initiatives so there's one of the traditional leaders in the place innovating and serving their clients and helping their clients get 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 work done and then two entrepreneurial companies you know Clint what Clint and his partners are doing you know in the individual and now the group you know, space, you know, marketplace space, and really uh, growing a profitable business, serving their clients well. You know, uh, Marcy and what Spendwell's doing, you know, identifying a very clear niche in the space. And we can go on and on. I mean, you're going to see innovation grow around wellness and wearables, around connected care. You know, telehealth is evolving as a very real solution. You know, employers and their employees are becoming more comfortable with that. 
as in access to care and a quality, you know, uh, health care cost tool, you know, to use. So not only do you get better care at a better time, but you do it affordably. You know, connected care evolves into the remote you know, device market and how is that taking place? You know, you and I talk a lot about transparency and what's happening out there with transparency. And maybe that's the wrong term to even use. It's really right care at right price, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, what's happening in that space from, you know, a major public company, Castlight, and what they're doing to really uh, go way beyond transparency and talk about man helping employers and their employees better manage health care costs, you know, through the enterprise healthcare cloud. I don't get lost in the weeds there. And, but a really viable solution for the right type of employers and the right type of employee population. Change Healthcare just got, you know, uh, acquired by right. MD on, got acquired by MD on, doing some really cool stuff. Um, you know, we were, we were with a guy, uh, this week, uh, Nelson Griswold, uh, uh, who's been working with brokers for many years and really talking about the change happening within broker firms. Mm-hmm. And, the quality broker firms, small, mid-side, large, who really understand that this game has changed, and they are changing with this game. And and I think one of the the things that we talked with Nelson about, and I think we all saw eye to eye in this, is is really the supplemental health players. And I think I think you know we all made it the made the point that it's you know it's supplemental health now. It's not so much voluntary. It's it, he made the point as hey. It's, we call it supplemental health, and if you look at its connection with consumerism, it's it's a gigantic connection. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know the supplemental health people themselves are now just starting to begin to see that. But worksite benefits, which is and payroll deduction benefits, whatever you want to call them, going all the way back twenty plus years, is a true consumerism product because mm-hmm. an employer can put that in place. But the employees had to decide if they wanted to do it or not. So it's true consumerism. It was it all wasn't about a group choice. Product. It was yeah. It's all about choice. What do I want to choose for my family? Yes or no? Do I want to use my pre-tax dollars to have that life, to have that disability, to have that you know, uh, you know, uh, cancer, critical illness gap insurance product? Yeah, I, w- I actually got a received a call this week from a. Um, a broker, um, you know, very innovative broker who was looking at the private exchange space. And he's, you know, out there looking to analyze all the different, you know, private exchange models out there. And as everybody who knows has been listening to this program, there's a, so many different models and so many different ways once you choose a model that you would like to utilize, mm-hmm. whether you're a broker who would be representing a specific exchange model or whether you're an employer going into it, you then can design other things inside of that private right. exchange. And the broker was talking to me about some of all the moving pieces and how, you know, what kind of products can I put in there and... and you know, I'm no expert on it, but I was able to point him in a couple directions to some innovative companies that are out there. I mean, there is the Go Health out there. Mm-hmm. There is the Connectors. There's a lot of the, the players out there that we have as affiliate yep. members here with us that, um, you know, I kind of pointed them to. But the point of all that is is everybody's trying to analyze that marketplace. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and one of the things that I pointed them to is privatehealthcareexchanges.com. 
and for everybody listening we still do have the um, discount for anyone just put in the promo code IHC radio and receive a discount on either the monthly or the yearly subscription to that database and it's a database that's grown now to 185 85 exchanges private exchanges out there and the information that's a little overwhelming if you think about I, it I know <laughs> and I'm, when I said that I said gosh you know a month or two ago we had 160 yeah. and a year ago yeah. we had 20 yeah. so I look at it and say gosh what what tremendous growth in that marketplace and so anyone who goes and uh, is interested in finding out all the different models out there um, and what might be right for your employee population or you as a broker um, consultant out there, privatehealthcareexchanges.com with over 185 different exchanges. And, again, our, our role there is very simply to help people navigate the choices and, and then be able to connect with them and on their own decide, you know, what models can or cannot, you know, serve their populations well or serve their clients well if it happens to be a broker or consultant looking for a solution you know for their employers and and as we uh you know as we got a couple more minutes left on this news and view segment want to you know mention to everyone the private exchange forum that we're going to be producing in dallas march 31st and april 1st um going to be a a great program we're putting together doug uh, i know you're talking with with a lot of the the partners out there from National you know, Business Group on Health to, to some others. Well, that's a new uh, announcement, in fact. I thank you for doing that. I, I mean, we, you know, Dallas Business Group on Health has just agreed to be an association partner. We're really happy that even though there's going to be a national event, it's nice to know that you've got a real anchor there with key employers in the greater Dallas and even the introductions to the, to the Texas market. Mm-hmm. You know the different coalitions there, so we're we're very excited about that and uh, excited about our program. I mean, our uh, like you said, if if no one's taking a look at it, you know, go to our private exchange forum site, privateexchangeforum.com, and you know, see what we're doing with this event as well as our you know our growing IHC forums. But um, you know, with private exchange forum, I mean, right now people can register for ninety nine, get super saver rate. You know, you know, we're we're going to kick off. We we open up the program with leading consultants and advisors that are not connected to an exchange, really advising in this session, you know, giving people an outlook on, you know, what's working, where are we going as we head into, you know, the 2015, 2016, you know, 2000, what will be the 2016 plan year. And then we'll evolve into some of the leading consultants and brokers with exchanges and then some of the leading technology platforms and we'll talk about defined contribution. I mean, it's really a, a, an, a, a very integrated program that will give people kind of the A to Z on what's happening with defined contribution exchanges and, and what should people be looking to do. But anyway, uh, you know, we look forward to uh, talking to everybody on our next segment, and uh, we, we'll be back soon. Hi, this is Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. If you're a solution provider in this marketplace, I'd like to talk to you more about our corporate membership program that will allow you to showcase your solutions in front of our audience who will be making decisions on what they're going to be putting in place surrounding their healthcare benefit packages in 2013 and beyond. Contact me at 770-296-7276 to learn more. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Certification. 
Do you know why becoming a certified healthcare consumerism specialist is more important than ever in 2014? Adding this specialized designation to your credentials tells employers or your clients that you understand how much our industry has changed and how to navigate that change successfully. IHC University's certification program offers coursework both online and live at their biannual forum conference series, and testing is completed online. Reaffirm your position as a leader in the health and benefit management industry. Download our certification overview and learn more at www.theihcc.com. That's www.theihcc.com. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Yeah, this is Doug Fields, CEO of the Institute of Healthcare Consumers, along with my co-host Brent Macy, and welcome back to this segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. And we're very pleased to have joining us today Jim O'Connor, the president of CBIS Employee Benefit Services. And uh, uh, Jim oversees uh, one of the nation's largest uh, benefit advisory firms. Jim, good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? We're great. Good to have you here. You coming to us from New Jersey today? I am indeed. Great. Uh, hope, hope it's okay up there and not too cold. No, not yet. No, the winter's still getting up on us, but not here all, all fully in yet. So. Hey, Jim, for our audience, I mean, most people know the brand CBiz, but give them a little uh, background around CBiz, and then we'll roll up our sleeves and talk about workplace wellness a little bit. Sure. Uh, we're a publicly traded company, and we've got two primary business uh, areas of focus. One would be our financial services side, which would be our accounting practice and other financial services provided to employers typically in the middle market. And then the other side of our business is our employee services side. And as you indicated, I oversee our employee benefits consulting and administration practice, and we also do retirement plan services, property and casualty risk management, and other uh, business services in the HR and benefits management space uh, throughout the country. Well, Jimmy, you know, you have a pretty interesting view of the marketplace through the eyes of what you and your team are doing, working with uh, a great number of employers out there. And, you know, Talk to us about workplace wellness, and that is a a viable solution to really help employers get, you know, as one way, get their arms around health care costs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's probably, in my view, and, and, and many of us that are deep in the uh, deep end of the pool in the wellness space, the most important uh, strategy uh, avenue for an employer to go down as it relates to curtailing their rising health care costs mm-hmm. uh, forever uh, employers have looked at plan design and raising deductibles and cost shifting, uh, and, and, and that's really kind of a, a road that has an end to it. And we really need to get to the root causes of what's driving up health insurance costs for employers and then subsequently for their employees. And that's, that's the use of health care services, yep. right? How often you're going to the doctor and using facilities and prescriptions, et cetera. But fundamentally, a healthier population will consume less health care services and therefore have less upward pressure on the health insurance costs of an employer. So, so wellness programs, well-designed, innovative wellness programs, are central to an employer strategy for curtailing their health care cost uh, inflation. You know, Jim, I think that, uh, I mean, we concur with you. We see this, um, and, you know, we're involved uh, with Hero as well, very closely with helping them do some survey work. And, you know, it's a big footprint for us. And, you know, it's interesting because we, as we look back the history of wellness, in many cases, it hasn't delivered on the promises. And so, and so traditionally, when it, when it doesn't work for businesses, they move away. But it's quite the opposite, you know, today is where you working with the employers, employers themselves saying, hey, we've got to figure out this piece, and we've got to be realistic about what we have it do, correct? 
I think you hit on two key things, um, being realistic and then figuring it out. And, and, and let me stay with that for a minute because in the, in the past, I've been doing this business for going on 30 years, and, and in the past, and even there's some still limited view today, you say the word wellness and people quickly revert to thinking gym reimbursements yeah. or, or smoke enders. Uh, and while those are valuable pieces to a broad-based wellness uh, culture at an organization, they are not unto themselves a strategy, number one. And number two, employers historically were looking for too much of a quick fix. And, and the, to have an effective uh, wellness uh, strategy, you have to have the longer view. I'm not suggesting that a well-designed, implemented wellness program won't have an ROI in the first you know, 12 to 18 months. It will, and, and it, it absolutely will. But that's not the end game. The end game is the journey to create a, a healthier population over the longer term. And employers historically have said, oh, I'm going to have employee turnover, so I'm not going to be you know, getting my ROI on it over the long term. That's being dispelled. And, and uh, you know, the, the programs that are in place today that have been in place for five, eight, ten years now are demonstrating that the employers that are sticking to it and really pushing the envelope relative to wellness innovation, and we can talk about what that looks like, are getting the ROI for sure. Jim, when you, um, you know, from a compliance standpoint, how can the employer ensure that their, their wellness program that they're putting in place is ACA compliant? Yeah, real important question. And uh, first and foremost, and, and this will sound self-serving, but it's not just, you know, uh, uh, an advertisement for CBIZ. It's for any benefits consulting firm that really uh, is into the wellness space. An employer has to work with professionals, first and foremost, that know the business. Um, and and the key there is going to be not only asking about their expertise and listening to someone tell you what they will do for you going forward, but where have they come from? What's their experience in wellness design and that wellness design being in compliance with ACA and other governing bodies? It's not just about ACA. It's EEOC and other governing bodies that weigh in on these things. So first of all, the wellness consultant, the benefits consultant, making sure that they know what they're doing. And then secondly, the wellness vendors that you're going to be contracting with. This is such a growing space, and any time you've got new players every week coming into a business, you need to be careful about you know their credentials and their knowledge relative to regulations and, and compliance. Now, having said that, you know the key areas with ACA, and I'll distill them down to the main ones because there's other ones as well. But first and foremost, it's focused on what we call results-based or outcomes-based wellness programs. Mm -hmm. And that's where ACA says you basically can use five biometric markers to measure in a results-based program. And that's going to be your BMI, it's going to be your LDL cholesterol, it's going to be your glucose, it's going to be your blood pressure, and then it's going to be tobacco use or not. So you can't go beyond those five markers today. Those are the ones that are the only ones you can use in a results-based program. The other two key things for the listeners relative to results-based programs are, number two, you have to have, the employee has to have the ability to have an appeal, the results. So let's say, for example, your blood pressure reading was 150 over 100, and you know you're normally 120 over 80, but you're having a bad day getting to work, etc. You have to have the ability to appeal the outcome and get a redo. So that's, that's a requirement under ACA. Number three, you also have to have what's called a alternative reasonable outcome. 
So let's say, for example, the BMI measure is something that you'll never get to based upon your own personal medical conditions. Well, you have to have a personal alternative goal um, assigned to you that's different than the standard established in the program. So those are the keys for the ACA. But again, for the listeners, make sure you're working with consultants and advisors that are, are really uh, up to speed on all of this. Yeah, and, the, and I think if we, when we step back and, and look at total wellness, too, and our health management, there's a lot of different terms out there, Jim. When you agree, this is not just about helping the well stay, stay well. This is about helping those with chronic disease states better manage those disease states, correct? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you hit it right on. You know, the, the, the one criticism of, again, I'll go back to the gym reimbursements, the argument was, well, I'm only going to be giving out these rewards to people that are already going to the gym, so I'm just rewarding people that are already displaying the correct behavior. Um, the other end of the spectrum is our catastrophic claimants. You know, we're never going to leave the world where, where the unexpected tragic event occurs, and you really can't manage to that. But what you can manage to, and the proper design of a well-functioning wellness program, is to target, A, people with chronic diseases, and how are they being managed and managing them properly. And the other is the people we don't know about. The greatest fear is we don't know what we don't know. And historically, from an insurance underwriting perspective, you would ignore the population that don't have any claims. Well, what we've come to understand is that's where your ticking time bombs are. Because if people are not incurring claims and the right kind of claims, then they're not managing their conditions, they're not getting their preventive screenings, they're not doing what they should do to remain healthy while properly using the healthcare system. And so your, your zero claimant today, two or three years from now, might be your terrible cardiac claimant or your diabetic that's now unmanaged. And so we have to have programs that address the behavior and proper behavior of health management on those kind of mid-level and possibly emerging claimants that can be avoided. Study after study will tell you that 65 to 75% of the healthcare spend in this country is either fully avoidable or the financial impact can be minimized simply by individual behavior and choices. And so that's where the wellness programs can really get to helping people make the right choices, have a more healthy lifestyle. And again, the financial win for that both accrues to the employer as well as to the employee who's participating in the cost of programs today. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And, and that's where, you know, that's a risk management scenario that a CFO will understand too, correct? Absolutely. This is absolutely a CFO and, quite frankly, a CEO conversation. The risk management, when you think about any other risk-based purchase we as individuals or employers make, um, we look to mitigate that risk, whether it's property insurance or commercial auto, or even if you and I are just doing our own personal purchasing of of auto insurance, et cetera. It seems like the world of employee health insurance, we just kind of have let it go to luck and then plan design and cost shifting. So absolutely, this is about risk management. And you think about the size of the spend, right? Whether you're a, a middle market or a larger employer still purchasing a fully insured plan, uh, from an insurance carrier, or you're doing self-insurance, you know, let's get after managing those risks, and we're not going to avoid them completely, but let's minimize the financial impact through proper management, and that's what wellness programs do. Hey, Jim, listen, uh, uh, 
time flies when we're talking about this subject. It's, it's deep and wide, and we we need to have you on again. Uh, you got about thirty seconds. Can you uh, give our audience uh, you know a wrap and uh, tell them how they can get in contact with you, please? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, so. Personally, I'll give you my email address. Uh, my name is Jim O'Connor, and the email is J-O-C-O-N-N-O-R at cbiz.com, cbiz.com, J-O-Connor at cbiz.com. The real wrap is if you are a CFO or an HR manager purchasing employee benefits today, uh, you have to have wellness programs as a key component to your strategy. We, we are not going to cur- curtail the rising cost of health care in our country without creating a healthier population. And employers play a key role in that. And it's a, both a win for the employer, a win for the employees from a financial, a productivity, and a lifestyle improvement perspective. Hey, Jim, really uh, enjoyed the discussion. Uh, thanks for taking the time out of your day, and have a great uh, great weekend up there. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. Thanks. And to the rest of our audience, stay tuned for the next segment of Healthcare Consumers and Radio. I just, I need Membership. Are you an IHC member? Access to the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's breaking news, industry trends, expert blogs, and networking with IHC's industry-wide member community. IHC membership puts you at the focal point of the dynamic health and benefit industry, allowing you to join the conversation and collaborate with industry stakeholders and your peers. Your IHC membership includes a subscription to Healthcare Consumerism Solutions Magazine, Healthcare Exchange Solutions Magazine, Annual Publications Healthcare Solutions Superstars, and Healthcare Solutions Outlook, a free white paper, and much more. Sign up as a free IHC member or $99 premium IHC member today at www.theihcc.com. That's www.theihcc.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Solution Providers, are you aware of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's multiple marketing platforms? You're invited to get a little closer to IHC with our Solution Provider Membership Marketing Program. Through IHC's exclusive Solution Provider Membership, your business gets an all-access pass to engaging your prospects. This membership embeds your business within the Institute, which immediately aligns your company, its solutions, and your key executives with the nationally credible IHC brand and shows your support of the healthcare consumerism movement as a market-wide solution. And that's just the beginning. Contact IHC's Managing Director, Brent Macy, today at bmacy at the IHCC.com. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hey, this is Doug Field, the CEO of the Institute for Healthcare Consumers, along with my co-host, Brent Macy, and welcome back to this segment of Healthcare Consumers and Radio. Uh, we're very excited on this segment to have joining us uh, one of our affiliate members and uh, the CEO and co-founder of Go Health, Clint Jones. Clint, good morning. Morning, Doug. How you doing? I'm going great. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How was your holiday? It was good. How's, how's Chicago today? Uh, you know, it's not bad. We don't have any snow, and it's uh, above freezing, so I'll take that for uh, Chicago in December. <laughs> Except they're pretty sad about last night, right? <laughs> Bears are not having a good season. <laughs> <laughs> well, Clint, great to have you on the program, and it was great to have you out uh, with us at IHC Forum West, and uh, uh, you know, look forward to continuing to, to work with you in that regard. Give our audience a background on Go Health, and then we'll get into the trenches here and talk about some stuff. 
Yeah, absolutely. So the uh, so Go Health was started about uh, 12 years ago. Uh, myself and a college roommate actually started a small business, and a few months into that business, our parents encouraged us to get health insurance because we no longer had insurance coverage through uh, an employer. And we went on y- onto uh, Yahoo Yellow Pages to try to find uh, insurance, and it was just a really complicated process at the time. Uh, an insurance agent came over to our house and you know was offering to sell us uh, you know a healthcare product, but we wanted to know how did that compare to Blue Cross and United and some other programs because back then you could easily uh, you know go to Travelocity or Orbitz or a, a travel site and compare American Delta um, or other airlines with a click of a button. So we said, hey, there's a real opportunity here uh, to do that. So we embarked on that mission uh, to bring kind of transparency in the health health insurance shopping process years ago and we fast forward till today obviously that you know the, the new law obviously is uh, all around that whole that whole mission as well uh to try to you know help consumers find uh you know affordable health care so that's kind of where we uh you know how we got started and you know ultimately with uh, the ACA you know it's really uh, kind of folded in well with our mission and, and where we're, we're going with our company. So, Clint, uh, I think you said it really well when you were out west and we were talking on the Defined Contribution Exchange panel. You were like, hey, where we are in this industry, and you said very clearly, we're at the beginning, which I agree with. Talk to talk to us about what you mean by that and where you see the market going over the next year year or two and, and how that and and where Go Health is going to go along the way. Yeah, I think so. You know, obviously with the, uh, you know, the, the administration's mission of, you know, getting coverage for the, you know, 40-some million people that are um, uninsured and obviously making, the, you know, a, a much kind of more efficient marketplace, uh, I think that, you know, we're kind of moving in the right direction. Obviously, this is year two of open enrollment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the uh, numbers last year are kind of ranging in the seven to, you know, kind of eight million people got in, that got enrolled, uh, and they're looking to grow that again this year. So I think, you know, we are in kind of the early stages of, you know, trying to identify, uh, you know, what ways people are buying, uh, you know, bringing, you know, more and more transparency to the, to the marketplace, making the uh, making technologies and making access to care a lot easier. Then uh, if you think about, uh, you know, where the group market is going, uh, you know, a lot of times in the past, as you know, as an employee, you were given maybe one, maybe two options, uh, you know, for a health insurance plan and what uh, a private exchange can bring to the table or, you know, multiple options. It's not one size fits all. You know, employees would then have a lot of choice on uh, the different plans that would obviously best suit their particular uh, particular needs. And then, from an employer standpoint, they obviously could put a uh, set dollar amount in there that their employees could go and and use those funds to buy obviously health insurance or other uh, ancillary type products to uh, to help move that along. So I think that you're going to start seeing more and more adoption of these models in the future. I think right now, like, like you mentioned, we are in kind of the early phases. You've seen a few large uh, organizations um, like Walgreens here in Chicago announced last year they were moving to a private exchange. Uh, but I, and I think that will become more and more readily available as uh, you know, it becomes more um, kind of more of the norm uh, as we move forward. Yeah, and it, and it just makes sense. I mean, if you're going to have consumerism and, and uh, you're going to uh, – Tell your uh, employees that here's a fixed amount spend. You uh, need to match that up with choice. That's what consumerism yeah. is. Give them choice and educate them on how to make the right choice for they and their families. You're exactly right, Clint. Uh, you had mentioned ACA um, here in this segment. How did how did ACA affect your business? Uh, it, it, that's a gr- great question, and you know, there's obviously the there's several elements of uh, ACA that really impacts us and kind of our marketplace and the consumers that are looking for insurance. So. Obviously, with the the individual mandate uh, and the requirement to you know buy health insurance or, or paying a penalty, 
uh, you know, those that kind of ex- obviously expanded the market. And a lot of those folks that were kind of sitting on the sidelines or uninsured, um, you know, now they have, you know, they're kind of has a requirement to, to purchase. Um, you know, the other element of that, uh, you know, you know, before ACA, uh, you know, carriers can underwrite you based on, you know, previous health conditions and ultimately decline you or, or give you a rate up based on your, your personal, your health profile. Um, so that, uh, you know, now that that's out the, out the door and it's, it's a guaranteed issue marketplace, you have a lot of those folks that just couldn't get coverage in the past uh, that, that can't. So obviously that, you know, expands our marketplace. Uh, everybody we talk to now, uh, you know, can get covered. Prior to that, I would say 30% of customers that came to us uh, ultimately got declined or couldn't get coverage because of uh, a pre-existing health condition. So that's, uh, you know, obviously helped us out, helped our clients out. Um, and then the uh, the other element of, you know, a lot of folks that were uninsured just couldn't afford it. Uh, the You know, their monthly premiums are too expensive and they couldn't, you know, couldn't afford the, the price. Uh, with the, the new subsidies and, you know, the government giving uh, those that uh, can't necessarily afford it, uh, you know, access to care through tax subsidies, that expands, you know, what we're doing as well. So some of those, uh, those large changes really required us to kind of ramp up uh, what we were doing. Um, we ultimately made the bet that a higher percentage of people, uh, as opposed to just going online and clicking a few buttons and doing a little research and buying, a lot of folks uh, wanted to talk to somebody, even if it was for five or ten minutes just to ask a few questions or make sure that what the plan they've selected is the right fit for them, or, hey, I want to I verify that the medications I'm on are covered in this plan, I, I can see good discounts, or, you know, their primary care physician is in the network. Uh, a lot of those are, you know, just... A lot of people want to have the peace of mind that they made the right decision or if they simply don't understand some of the benefit designs or structure, you know, we can explain and walk them through that. So our, we really had to, you know, kind of beef up our, our license agent count. We have more than 1,000 now in-house and 3,500 around the country that, you know, sit down and work with people, you know, whether it's over the phone or face-to-face to help them, you know, understand what they're buying and make sure it's the right fit for them. Uh, on top of that, uh, we had to invest heavily in uh, a lot of online decision support tools um, that, you know, customers could, you know, walk through a process, um, selecting their primary care physician, entering a lot of data, uh, really filtering down uh, a plan that would meet all their, their requirements. Um, so that's, you know, kind of been where we've we're heavily focused on making the experience and the accessibility um, really, really strong. You know, one thing we found last year, as people enrolled, especially in the last couple weeks of open enrollment, you know, there was a big rush to, uh, to get enrolled and get covered so they, you know, would avoid the, uh, um, the, the penalty. And, you know, what we ultimately found were people were, uh, they just wanted to get enrolled, but they don't really understand or didn't really understand what they bought. So, you know, an education process of going back to those customers to really walk them through their, their benefits and explain those benefits. Um, so there was really a whole post-sale uh, you know, kind of consumerism piece to make sure that they fully understand the, the value of the plan they bought and, you know, how to really access that plan and, you know, save money, uh, you know, leveraging those benefits. Clint, Clint what's uh, next for uh, to help the employers uh, with what they need to be embracing around the defined contribution and exchange model to serve their cost needs, their administrative resource needs, and then improve that experience for the employees and the consumers? So what's next for GoHealth? Yeah, so we're really, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head, we're really focused on a couple different things here. One would obviously be, um, you know, focus on, you know, the defined contribution technology. Uh, you know, there's a lot of folks that are looking at the really large jumbo groups 
we think there's a, an underserved market in the kind of mid to small group marketplace uh, where those employers are struggling to figure out, you know, their, their cost structure. They want to, you know, provide additional benefits to their employees. So we're, we're heavily investing in technology in, in those areas, um, as well as on the back end, post-sale, uh, you know, with, you know, some telehealth features and giving access to consumers to really help make uh, smart buying decisions and usage decisions around, uh, you know, leveraging their health plan uh, and understand every, everything that they do, uh, you know, how it impacts uh, their bottom monthly line. And they're looking at that as well. And as, uh, you know, the kind of the cost of care gets more expensive, you know, how do we put the right tools and transparency tools in the hands of consumers, really promoting consumerism where they have, you know, an education behind, you know, every decision they're making so they can ultimately make, make the right decision and, and save money in the long run, which ultimately will help save money at the insurance carrier side. So we're kind of tr- building that true evangelism around, you know, the entire marketplace. Clint, when you look at, uh, you know, the, this open enrollment period that's taking place right now, is it is it going smoother than last year, about the same? What's, what's your read on that? Uh, yeah, it's definitely going smoother. I mean, if we recall last year, uh, there were some – the marketplace had some pretty uh, significant technology issues during the first, you know, call it two months of open enrollment, um, and you know, the you know the it went off with uh, out a large hitch this year. We were live, obviously day one, uh, enrolling people. Uh, occasionally, there's some small challenges, but I think it's a vast improvement from what we saw last year. Um, you know, we kind of came out of the gates with record numbers, and you know, compared to where we were last year. Uh, we kind of unfortunately underestimated some of the volume, uh, which I guess is a good problem to have. So it's just continually to you know add additional you know resources and 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 folks to help uh, help everybody looking uh, for insurance out. Um, but you know if I compare this year versus last year, it's you know kind of night and day. Clint, well, you know a lot of us in this space uh, see this as a pretty significant enrollment period as a validation to define contribution and exchanges working in. I think you're going to see outcomes from different sizes of workforces, to your point earlier, that are going to, I think, surprise some people and uh, therefore leading to what many see as 2016, I mean, this coming fall being uh, the beginning of kind of a rapid growth period around defined customers exchanges. You guys see the same thing? You're, you're absolutely right. I think um, we thought it would take a couple of years to get you know more uh, more adoption. And we're in pretty pretty heavy discussions right now for yeah, like you mentioned, the 16 open enrollment uh, for a lot of employers shifting that way, uh, and where that goes. So uh, with with technology being available, uh, I, I think you're you're going to start seeing more and more uh, of employers looking at the, at solutions uh, in the defined contribution space. Uh, and I do think you'll start seeing some massive movement in the, in the next year. Uh, we've got some pretty large partnerships we'll be announcing in the next 60 days uh, around those fronts um, with some really, really large organizations that are going to be pushing heavily in this space. So we're pretty ex- really excited about that. Uh, and I think once, you, like you mentioned, once the, you, know, you see some big announcements like that, there's going to be a whole snowball effect. And everybody, uh, every employer, every HR department is going to have to start looking at this and say, hey, is this a viable option for that you know, business? And you know, is it a value to the employer? Is it a value to the employees? And you know how do we move forward and, and make this make this work? So I, th- I think you're uh, you're you, you're dead on there, Clint. We got a, about a minute left on the program, and um, if you could kind of kind of leave our audience with a couple key takeaways for what they need to be considering when they're looking at a, a uh, option type or a solution such as yours. Yeah, I think the the, the biggest thing is um, you know thinking about uh, you know every 
every good market out there today has, you know, a lot of transparency tools and the ability to, you know, give your employees different options. So as an employer, you should be thinking about things like, hey, what do I, what can I provide my employees? It's a lot of different added value and benefits. And if you think about it, no plan, uh, you know, there's no one size fits all scenario here. So the more, uh, you know, inventory, I guess you can give to your employees, uh, and, 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 you know, health insurance buyers, the better. So, you know, making technology easily, uh, available to those folks where they can kind of research and see what's online, uh, and ultimately having that tied into, you know, a benefit advisor. So if they do have questions, they can get somebody live on the phone to, uh, to walk through, um, you know, some, nobody's, uh, individual health, um, situation is the same. Uh, and you need to give access to, to everybody in, in, in the way they feel comfortable buying. Hey, Clint, we really appreciate you joining us on the program today. Uh, I hope you have a great weekend there in Chicago. And to the rest of our audience, please stay tuned for the next segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. PrivateHealthcareExchanges.com. Have you checked out the only online guide where employers, health plans, brokers, and consultants can navigate private exchange and defined contribution markets? Browse PrivateHealthcareExchanges.com today. The emergence of private health insurance exchanges represents perhaps the most significant shift in how Americans purchase health benefits in years. As employers move their employee population into private exchanges, this trend is on a growth projection into the 2015 benefit year and beyond, according to research published by Allegis Technologies. Visit PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com today to browse our national searchable directory and for Healthcare Exchange Solutions magazine and newsletter. Be sure to submit your listing for inclusion in this groundbreaking guide at www.PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. That's www.PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Hi, this is Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. If you're a solution provider in this marketplace, I'd like to talk to you more about our corporate membership program that will allow you to showcase your solutions in front of our audience who will be making decisions on what they're going to be putting in place surrounding their healthcare benefit packages in 2013 and beyond. Contact me at 770-296-7276 to learn more. This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to Healthcare Consumerism Radio. This is Brent Macy, Managing Director of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, along with Doug Field, CEO and founder of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. And uh, joining us on this segment is Marcy Schmate. She is the president of Spendwell Health. Marcy, good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I'm very good, thank you. Uh, now tell, tell our audience a little bit about Spendwell Health. Absolutely. Spendwell Health is an online marketplace where consumers uh, can shop for healthcare services and actually make purchases directly. And and the reason why we uh, have built Spendwell is we we believe that transparency is great, but consumers need to have actual known prices and be able to make healthcare purchases using their limited healthcare dollars. Now, when you guys when you launched Spendwell Health, what were some of uh, tell our audience some of the trends that you saw in the marketplace and and the need for for the solution that you guys have? Absolutely. Um, We are seeing four um, trends that are actually leading up to our direct pay solution, and that is transparency. And as we know, um, transparency is being implemented on a very large scale. 
I believe about 73 or so percent of employers are implementing uh, transparency tools, which is wonderful. That's the first trend. The second trend is that um, states are mandating and all the all-payer claims databases are also being implemented, so governments are recognizing uh, the underlying issue around price is really uh, a core uh, you know, value that we need to install in our healthcare system. The third uh, major trend that we're seeing um, is direct contracting, and in large employers especially are uh, taking control, if you would, of how they contract uh, with providers in their local markets. And then the fourth is consumer demand. So as more and more consumers or employees are enrolled in high-deductible health plans, consumers are finding themselves essentially self-insuring under their deductibles. And so this trend is causing, um, you know, consumers to, you know, kind of rise up, if you would, and, and, and demand that they have the right tools available for them. Hey, uh, Marcy, this is Doug, and uh, great to have you in the program, and really appreciate you. you and your team being with us out west. Uh, um, talk to us about this new healthcare consumer. What the, what's what's the consumer look like? I mean, they, you know, and what do they value? What? Absolutely. So the consumer um, is like any other consumer in any other industry. Um, they're really looking for cost, convenience, and quality. Um, but in in healthcare, sometimes those you know simple things that they're looking for are hard to find. Um, but even if we give them you know true cost and convenience and, and quality. Uh, they're also looking for uh, other conveniences or other um, components that they would get if they were, you know, buying a, a TV or, or any other consumer good. Mm-hmm. They're looking for expanded hours from their providers. Uh, you know, people aren't interested in taking off work necessarily to, to receive routine care. They want to be able to communicate more um, efficiently with their provider. So using technology and email, text um, to mm-hmm. be able to uh, get their needs met. Um, which means that they should be able to use their smartphones and carry their you know, medical records with them. They also want to be brand loyal. And one of the things that we're finding is that, um, you know, a lot of people say that, you know, people are wedded to their primary care physician. Well, they some are and some aren't, but they really do want to have that sense of a relationship, which leads me to um, also understand that, um, Healthcare is a relationship business, and how do we make that interaction, that encounter with providers, much more personalized? Um, right now, it's very transactional. So, those are the things that we're finding consumers really want to have um, as they're engaging in the healthcare system. Marcy, many of the the health plans out there are, are focused on an ACO strategy. You know, why is a a retail model an emerging model that that is going to sustain sustain itself in this industry? Yeah, so um, at Spendwell, we actually see the market bifurcating. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so there are those providers and those organizations that are taking an ACO approach, which is which is um, very well warranted. Um, and then there is the other side of the, the spectrum, if you would, where providers really don't want to be part of a managed system, mm-hmm. nor do consumers. And so there's this retail model. And for those um organizations where they don't want to be managed, um, provider groups and or consumers, the retail model makes a lot of sense. Um, it's, it's highly personal, uh, it's known, and it's, it's much more simple. How can this, uh, Marcy, how can this uh, help a, self-insure, a self-funded employer, you know, with their benefit plans? Where, where does the retail-based model fit with them? Yeah, so, you know, w- the way that we're approaching the um, self-funded market is, 
you know, employers have the opportunity to really make wholesale changes around how their consumers um, purchase health care. So today, employers are putting in transparency tools, which are wonderful because consumers can actually see how much services cost. But if you put in uh, an actual marketplace where your employees or your consumers can go and buy health care at known prices um, in an open marketplace, which actually drives uh, provider price competition, we're finding that the results on our marketplace platform are actually oftentimes better than that of the negotiated fee schedule, um, especially for routine care. So by putting in this uh, type of solution, uh, employers and consumers are actually able to bring rational you know, supply-demand principles to market and continue to um, you know, uh, connect the consumer and the provider. Marcy, talk to us a little bit about the um, the provider uh, community that's out there. Are they engaging in this retail model that you're talking about? And, you know, are there challenges that they're facing because this space is, is changing so so quickly? Yeah, you know, again, I think it kind of goes back to the, how the landscape is bifurcating. But there mm-hmm. are uh, uh, large groups of providers that really want to have the autonomy to practice medicine and not to be held um, to all the administrative rigor, if you would, of Mm -hmm. uh, working with an an ACO model or an an insurance company. And so really what you're finding is is there's new retail models emerging, whether it's um, retail clinics, whether it's concierge models Mm -hmm. or um, house call models. Um, Providers really just want to get into the business, if you would, of practicing medicine. So um, what we're finding is we're asking providers to participate on our platform is that they can actually uh, curate their services and post their prices, and as re- and what we give them in return is the ability uh, not to have to check eligibility, file a claim, uh, reconcile um, you know the remittances, and uh, and have to send you know patient bills. Uh, once they actually see their patients, they can get paid right away. So our administrative um, process simplifies that for the provider, and providers are thrilled that they can just see their patient and get paid for the value that they provide. Now, Marcy, I think you're dead on the mark there. You know, we work very closely with the group called Doctors for Patient Care, and I've had the, the opportunity to spend some quality time with some of those doctors. And at the end of the day, they all say, hey, just let us practice medicine. Right. Just let us right. practice medicine. I mean, that's, that, that's what they want to do. Um, what's been the consumer experience? You know, you, you, you launched this when. When did, when did you launch this, Marcy? How, how the marketplace? Yeah, so we actually started um, in a more beta uh, approach about three years ago, okay. and uh, just recently we have raised enough capital so we can go national. But um, we have about 2,500 or so consumers that have gone through our program, and our customer satisfaction rates um, are very high. 89% or so would use our program again and refer us to a friend. Um, so our customer satisfaction rates are high, and, and the reason is is because um, we're actually helping people understand how to buy health care, mm-hmm. not just receive it. Um, mm-hmm. And we're trying to take out any surprises affiliated with the cost of care um, because people know what that is beforehand. As a matter of fact, we had uh, one member from Montana who drove all the way to Portland, Oregon, uh, because he could save $1,300 on his MRI. Wow. <laughs> and so, to me, that was really a testament in terms of um, how how great you know that kind of data and that kind of experience can be. Marcy, for um, you know, through your different sales channels, do you work with um, 
say, brokers or consultants that are out there that may represent employers? Do you go direct to employers with your solution? What's your model there? Yeah, so, t- so today we're focusing on the large self-funded um, groups. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, working with the consultants is, is very important to us. Um, and and on the uh, mid-sized market, the three to 5,000, uh, we do work with brokers as well. So we understand that they're a very important part of the ecosystem, and mm-hmm. we do think that there's a, an incredible value that they could bring to their clients and bringing new models to, to their customers. Do you, do, you uh, do any direct-to-consumer as well? You know, we started out our business model being direct-to-consumer, mm-hmm. um, but we recently pivoted um, understanding that, you know, uh, employers that are putting in high-deductible plans really need these tools. Yeah and we can get it to the masses faster. Um, we're, we are hoping, though, that once we become, you know, um, better known and, and consumer behavior uh, is understood in this arena, that we can go direct to consumer. Uh, it's a great brand name, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Marcy, I think you guys are very well positioned in this space. I think, you know, the market's kind of circling around you now. Um, in the last minute of the show, kind of give us um, a few good takeaways for our audience if they're considering your solution um, and kind of where you see the market moving uh, in the next year. Yeah, I think um, direct pay is, is really coming forward. Um, employers really have an opportunity to make wholesale changes in terms of how they buy health care and how their employees buy health care. So by putting in a, a competitive um, market where prices become rationalized, um, they can start to see uh, savings, their employees can start to see savings, and they're also going to see higher consumer engagement. And um, really, that's what we're all striving for, right, mm-hmm. for us to be very mm-hmm. good healthcare consumers. So, you know, Spendwell is really here to make, um, you know, the consumer experience, the provider experience in healthcare uh, very rational. And uh, being part of a Cambia Health Solutions company, we're really striving for us to be building new capabilities um, around being very person-focused and sustainable. Well, Marcy, thank you so much for joining us on the program today. I hope you have a wonderful weekend uh, out there. And to the rest of our audience, we will talk to you uh, next Friday on Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Thank you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.